Illegal Pete's has nine locations in Colorado and has even expanded into Arizona as well. And Illegal Pete's is a proud Colorado business and it serves some of the most delicious mission style burritos that you will ever taste. Plus, if you show your ticket from any event here in Colorado on the same day at any of their locations, you'll get a free draft beer or free margarita with the purchase of an entree. If you want to get your event catered, they also have a sweet setup for that. It's affordable, it's fresh, and they even use recycled products and materials to stay green and all of that. They also offer ordering online if you would like to order ahead and come in for pickup, making your life even easier. Again, just show that ticket to an event on the same day and they will hook you up with a free beer or margarita. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scores. Nathan McKinnon. Call JT Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNBR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. Davidson's has two locations, one in Centennial, one in Highlands Ranch, and these guys are locally owned and have a massive selection. They no doubt carry whatever you're looking for. For me, that's usually Breckenridge Brewery, as I'm sure you already know, and they'll even deliver it to your door if that's what you want. You can download their app today, get awesome deals, and sign up for their loyalty program as well. They'll hook you up that way. They also have tastings every weekend on Fridays and Saturdays if you're looking for something new to try, and even you can request products to be ordered to the store if you want something rare or specific get on it while you can i'm nathan rudolph with me today is evan rowell we're here to talk abs kind of recap our deadline thoughts and and figure out where the abs stand at the moment obviously they traded for hutchinson and nemesnikov joe sakic did have a presser today at practice evan didn't really take much from it huh no it was your standard sakic uh, press conference where he says a lot without really saying much of anything. The only thing I thought he said that was interesting was, I know who I talked about and that's all that matters. And I was like, well, that's, that sounds like the abs. That definitely sounds like something the abs would say. So uh, other than that, no, he did not uh, really say much of much of any of value. Uh, I talked a lot about Jost and since his name was in the rumors and of course he's like, I didn't put him in there. So yeah. I don't, not too much to take from it, to be honest. So he did talk about someone, though. He just won't say who. Yeah, he talked about players and prospects, but that's for him to know and for us to never know, apparently. Well, that seems to be par for the course most of the time, unfortunately, with those type of things. What we do know is ultimately he didn't end up moving a single roster player. So the Avs lineup hasn't changed in that regard. It has only changed by a couple of additions. 
Vladislav Nemesnikov being the primary one there. Avs gave up a 20-21 fourth. What are your expectations from Nemesnikov coming into this lineup, Evan? Uh, to definitely be better than Sheldon Dries was at the moment. So, um, sounds like they, Sackick pretty much reiterated what we have known. And AJ has mentioned for a while that the Avs have been after this guy for years. This is not something that they just, you know, they've decided they wanted to find him yesterday. They've been after him for a while and they like his game. They like how smart he is that he plays with speed. Uh, and that's kind of the way the Avs want to play. So, um, I think he's going to fit in pretty well. I, I, he, I mean, first he immediately was talking to all the Russians, which of course they always do. Uh, and he knows Barbario from their time in Tampa Bay. But um, on the ice, I think he'll be a nice fit. He'll fit in with how the Avs want to play. And once everyone's healthy, uh, I kind of like him to play. You know, I mentioned it on our in the mailbag today that I think a good spot with him would be with Comfort and Donskoy when everyone's healthy. So. Uh, just to, I guess, stabilize everything in the bottom six when everyone's good to go. Yeah, certainly a bottom six with all these injuries. Is there a world maybe he, he creeps up onto the second line or something? But even that seems like a bit of a stretch for me, if I'm being honest. Well, I mean, Tyson Jost is on the second line right now. So it wouldn't surprise me if he snuck up on the second line in the next game for a little while just because things are pretty bleak right now in the lineup. If you saw the lineup I posted from practice. Yeah. And we'll get to the continuing injury issues in a second, I guess, but sticking with Nemesnikov, ultimately when this team gets healthy, the forward core is going to get very tight, very quickly since they didn't move anyone out. As you said, they've been enamored with Nemesnikov for a long time. So he's going to get, Pretty significant priority on on lineup opportunity, I would think. Kamenev, obviously, going to go back to that scratch type of spot with a healthy avalanche lineup. But to fit Nemesnikov in, you're going to need a second one. Who do you realistically see coming out of the lineup to fit him in? Well, I think it obviously is going to come down to Nieto and Jost when everyone's healthy. And I just tend to think that they're going to lean on Nieto, seeing as how he is the penalty killing time on ice leader for all the forwards so um they like how jost is doing on the penalty kill bedner even mentioned that today and quite frankly i think they waited too long to try this so now he's kind of behind everyone but yeah i think it's jost is unfortunately going to be the odd man out and it's kind of like we talked about yesterday it's i don't know where they're going to go from there yeah and and nemesnikov has pk'd quite a bit in ottawa um if you yeah, looked at our shorthanded goals, I yeah, think. exactly. It's four shorthanded goals and a couple more assists as well. So that everything that Tyson Jost does on the ice seems to have been completely eight balled by Nemesnikov, where he's just going to step in and do all of the same things, but better. Yeah. And with more speed, which is kind of what I think has held Jost back is his kind of his first step and everything. So yeah, I, I think that's pretty much what this move was, was to just upgrade on that spot. And, you know, he can fill in in the top six if needed now. And when he when everyone's healthy, he's going to improve everything in the bottom six. What's a realistic point projection out of this guy for the rest of the season? Abs have 21 games left. He's got 25 points on the season so far. Are you looking to get 10, 11 points out of him or is that too much? 
Uh, I think 10 would be nice because I think he is going to get some time when everyone's out. I don't put much into this whole, you know, he's not going to play on the top power play unit. So um, saying that he's going to improve the second power play unit is like, well, that doesn't matter because the second unit never plays. So pretty much all of his production should be coming at even strength or in the penalty kill if he's going to be playing there. So I, I think 8 to 10 points realistically down the stretch here would be really nice to get from him just a, a little boost in that bottom six. How important is that with the abs? We, you know, we talked on our other show, the very long one that the, for a fourth round pick, sure. It, it's that's not worth a whole lot. So picking up Nemesnikov on that front is fine, but I, we also said this isn't really a, a needle mover either. So does this push the abs over any kind of hump for you? Or is it just kind of there? No, it's just a, a minor improvement. Um, the one thing about the Avs depth players is as good as they were to start the year, they, everyone is pretty much in a massive slump right now. Jost hasn't scored since, you know, God knows when. Kamenevo's one goal. Don Skoy scored his first goal in forever the other night. I think Belmar has like two goals in 28 games. So um, if he can provide a little bit more in the bottom six while everyone else is slumping and maybe wait for everyone else to get kind of back into the groove, then that's kind of an improvement. But no, this is not a massive needle mover by any means. Yeah, I, I'm pretty much with you on that one. Um, just as we kind of wrap up, I know not everyone wants to listen to a two-hour episode that we did on Monday. The Avs also acquired Michael Hutchinson for Callie Rosen, uh, third-string goaltender. His numbers are very brutal this year on Toronto. To put it simply, they went out and got him because they saw he had over 100 NHL games and wanted an experienced goalie to play a few for him, or at least that's my take on it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Bender said he's going to play. I don't know exactly what that means. They still have not given a time frame for group power, which is a slightly concerning. Uh, I think Bender even said that today. We didn't even know how long he's going to be out still. So, uh, But he's definitely going to play. The one thing that struck me just and this means absolutely nothing, is that the Avs have two really small goaltenders when in kind of the grand scheme of things, and Hutchinson just towers over them, so he's a little bit different. But yeah, he's he's had a rough year. It's been a rough go for him, and I think they're just hoping to get one or two games out of him until they can kind of get Grubauer back. Because they said Francois wants to play more. He wants to kind of carry the load here. So I don't think we're going to see him very often unless something else happens. Yeah, that was kind of my take, too. You're looking at the few remaining back-to-backs they have, and you have to think that's probably about it for Hutchinson. Yeah, he was uh, oh, he was so happy in the locker room today, probably just to get the I'm hell sure. out of Toronto. Yeah, get away from Toronto, man. <laughs> yeah, he had a big smile on his face, but uh, probably because there's like a third of us in the locker room with the media, too. So, yeah, I just I don't expect him to play much, but. He's basically said all the good teams have three good goalies, so I, I'm i hoping to help. I don't know if you'd consider him to be the third goalie or anything like that, but um, I think I, I look at this move as basically saying, you know, we need somebody with NHL experience, but mainly we want to get Miska and Werner back to ride the Eagles into the playoffs. Yeah, 100%. The, it very much felt, like they didn't trust Miska in the NHL and they wanted help 
on the AHL side, so they weren't playing ECHL goalies, basically. Yeah, yeah, and they don't want Werner just up here sitting on the bench and doing nothing. Right. So that is what it is. Uh, There were other options like Louis Domingue off waivers and, and whatever else, but I'm not too worried about value again on that trade. But ultimately, the Avs didn't make a big move. Evan, how how did you feel about the trade deadline uh, as a whole? Because a lot of the fan base is somewhat split. A lot of people are saying, great, they didn't give up any assets and are looking toward the future. Others feel like it comes up a little bit short and they didn't do enough to get better in the immediate. Yeah, I I mean, they both Bednar and Sackick mentioned the chemistry in the room and how they did not really want to mess with it too much. Um, and then, you know, the two names we, that heard were thrown out there were Jost and Zadorov. And those are two guys, especially Zadorov, who are very popular in the locker room. So, um, I don't think they wanted to mess with that too much. I think they would have, if the right deal came across, it's just, I mean, we mentioned on the podcast, there was just such a wide range of value yesterday. Like, yeah, you know, Nemesikov is a decent player and he's going for a fourth. And then you get Barclay Goodrow, who's going for a first and nothing makes sense in the world anymore. So you just don't know what's being asked for, especially because I don't think the Avs were really looking at guys who are going to be unrestricted free agents that they're going to give up a lot for. They were looking for the term and those guys are just naturally going to cost more. So uh, I, it's, it was a disappointment and I guess, uh, you know, kind of, I guess, dis- yeah, disappointment is probably the best word for it, but you know, when you look at the rest of the central not doing anything, it's, you know, it's, I guess it's not that big of a deal and that the Avs are just banking on all their stars coming back healthy in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And, and that is kind of a theme right now. The whole central division didn't do a ton and teams like St. Louis are going to get Tarasenko back. So it was kind of everyone stood pat for the most part, other than minor moves, St. Louis getting Scandella earlier and then the Avs getting Nemesnikov. Uh, ultimately, I don't think you will believe this, Evan, but what does Vlad Nemesnikov do for the Avs? <laughs> Is he a game changer? This is too soon for that, right? <laughs> he, no, we're doing it. We're jumping in. Oh, the, okay. The, the real has changed its order, so he is a game changer, as is Strava Craft Coffee, the CBD-enriched coffee that you can purchase in K-Cups now for your Keurig, or if you like it the old-fashioned way, they have whole bean <coughs> excuse me, and ground coffee as well. You can get 20% off when you purchase online using code DNVR20. The CBD is non-psychoactive, and if you want to try before you buy, you can Find it around Denver in places like Carbon Cafe and Bar, Drip Denver, Slow High Coffee, Blue Sparrow Coffee, and Max Market. As Strava says, drink deeply, live fully, and make trades with the Ottawa Senators. Just remember to use that DNVR20 code when you buy. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits with Rudo and Evan. We've talked about the new additions. Now it's time to figure out how this lineup is going to work. Obviously, there's the already known injuries. Kadri out for weeks. Calvert out. I don't even know if they have an official timetable on Calvert yet. Um, then, yeah, they're just, they're just saying mid-March for like all these dudes. Yeah, right. So Kadri, Calvert, uh, who's the one I'm forgetting? Grantman. 
uh, and then Grubauer, obviously. And so that's four significant pieces. And today, both Andre Burakovsky was skating in no contact, as was Matt Nieto. So that's five of your 12 starting forwards out of the lineup. Evan, what this Buffalo game could get wild. Yeah, and now they got Wayne Simmons to worry about. So, um, no, I mean, a little birdie named Martin Kaut told me he expects Nieto to play tomorrow. So, Bednar said he's doubtful, but uh, I guess we'll see. Neither one of those guys really made it through practice. They kind of were out there to start, and then they just kind of left. But, um, yeah, Nieto, as we expected, was hurt on the Martin Firk is that his his name? Firk. Yeah, Firk. Yeah, yeah the, his monster shot that 110 miles per hour or whatever it is, and blocked it to get a point in overtime and got an A grade for me because of it. But uh, he took the brunt of it, and yeah, he they both sound like it's really minor. Whereas Bednar said they're both really close. So if for some reason neither of them play tomorrow, I would expect them to be close or at least play this weekend. So. Um, those two are not that major, but yeah, right now the lineup's looking, if, if Nieto can't go tomorrow, it's, we're looking at down the barrel of a Mark Barbario playing on the fourth line. Would he play on the fourth line or would they just run 7D? I don't know because they don't really, I mean, they've been pretty set with their pairs for the most part. They kind of juggled them up last week, but I think they're pretty happy with what they have on D and Barbario has not played in two months I want to say two and a half months he obviously had his eagle stint but yeah I think they actually probably would lean more towards putting him at forward and to be honest I think he'd probably just sit on the bench most of the game and then McKinnon would just play a a billion minutes yeah probably but the Avs could realistically be looking down a line of Mark Barbario Vlad Kamenev Logan O'Connor for a fourth line against Buffalo yeah and uh, luckily it's it's I say this now, but Buffalo, um, they're not uh, the greatest team in the world. But, yeah, it's not uh, not ideal. And the Avs really, I don't know how it would work because the Avs, they used up three of their call-ups yesterday. I don't know if a call-up now would be considered emergency because those guys I don't think are on IR. So uh, they don't probably don't want to waste a fourth call-up that they might need down the line just to put a forward in that we all know they'll play five minutes. Yeah, it's going to be a weird situation because they're just going to have a million bodies when it comes to those call-ups if they want to make any. So not sure how that's going to work, but it does bring us to maybe the more pertinent question beyond these immediate games where they're just trying to survive, and that is Martin Kaut. Played three games. I think pretty much everyone has agreed that he's looked like an NHLer in his time here. Even Bednar has started giving him a bit more time on ice. He broke the 10-minute barrier. Is there a chance that Kaut sticks for this playoff push? Um, I would say it's unlikely, and I say that because when I, I and by the time most people are hearing this, the piece might be up, but I talked to Martin today at practice, and he specifically mentioned the 10 game point. Like he is fully aware that his contract kicks in at 10 games. So um, that makes me think that the Avs have told him, Hey, you know, you know, play your nine games and we'll decide from then. So I kind of feel like they will lean towards not playing him that 10th game just based off of that. But I think he's looked really good. Bender was 
very, I asked him today, is he earning your trust? Cause you had him out there in the last minute of the game. And he said, yeah, he's been highly competitive, super smart with his plays. He's getting chances. And I, he, I, I think Bender really likes him. So even if he doesn't make it past, you know, the 10 games, I think he's obviously put himself in a good spot for next year. It's just, you know, are the Avs going to weigh in the, the 10 game, the extra year of ELC, which I think, you know, you guys and a, you and AJ have talked about it. It's, to me, it's not a big deal because he's never going to be a guy that breaks the bank. Right. And certainly not on that immediate deal either. He, you, Unless, I mean, anything can happen. He could show up and score 60 points next year, but that would be completely out of the blue. So it, it very much not that big of a deal if it's a minimal raise coming on that, that second contract for him. The only thing that I think might hold him back is that they're not playing him on the PK. They're choosing to play guys like Jost on it over him, which is probably as much about Jost as it is about Cout. But realistically, that's something that he's going to be doing later on in his career. Yeah. And Bedner did mention that he might play on the penalty kill tomorrow. So it's something to keep an eye on. Um, He'd said O'Connor's definitely going to play, which obviously sounds like, you know, I don't watch the Eagles as much as you, but I know he's a threat down there on the penalty kill with his speed and everything. But um, he's they the are considering the of the AHL, basically. Yeah. So I mean, they they are considering it with Cout, and you know, they obviously are trusting him defensively because he's playing. You know, they they've had him out uh, in key situations late in the game here, so uh, it's a good trial for him. If nothing else, he's getting his name in there to in the hat and showing the coaches what he can do for next year and. Um, I think the one thing that would obviously change things is if some of these guys are out longer than they anticipate or more injuries happen. And then at that point, you just got to play your best guys, in my opinion. And if he plays 10 games, then who cares? Yeah, I'm, injuries are not. Ultimately, you have to play your best guys. It's the very real question of whether Cout can earn that, especially in the, the organization's eyes. Um, for that PK... <laughs> That could get pretty weird, too, if you're looking at Logan O'Connor, possibly Martin Kaut, probably Vlad uh, Nemesnikov, and then a fourth player. Could be Mark Barbario, the forward. <laughs> Could be the 4-4 four, four PK forwards for the Avs against Buffalo. <laughs> that would be very YOLO. No, I, I mean, Belmar and Comfer are definitely going to be there, but yeah, wow. I, I, I don't... <laughs> I mean... That he didn't mention Nemestikov. Nemestikov did practice on the penalty kill. Um, I would imagine he's in the option to play tomorrow. Um, you know, we've mentioned, I, I mentioned that they should use Nachushka more, but he's going to be on the top line tomorrow. So I think they're going to want to limit his minutes on the penalty kill if possible. So, yeah, the penalty kill is going to get some uh, different guys. And, you know, we talked about it. I think Jost has looked good on the penalty kill. And I. You know, that's something they should continue to explore. And if he continues to look good, maybe he can carve out a role there. And if nothing else, raise his value to show that he has, he can play a certain role in the NHL. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they don't play Nemesnikov on the PK the first couple of games just to get systems integrated enough. And the Avs do seem to be a bit particular about those type of systems that someone like Logan O'Connor is playing something similar in the AHL and can jump in in that regard. So that might be a bit of the difference there, but it's going to be some interesting choices when they're healthy of who they run out on that. I think 
you and I and AJ as well have all been pretty down on JT Comfer's penalty kill numbers, to say the least. So Yeah, and they use him a ton at, at even strength, too. Uh, yeah. Probably more than they should. So uh, I wouldn't mind seeing it. It's just that he takes face-offs, so... Maybe maybe that's somewhere where Nemestikov just kind of takes takes a little bit of that ice time. Yeah, he could potentially eat into that. Um, he did play center back in Tampa Bay anyway, so he's not a complete stranger to taking faceoffs or anything like that, at least. And ultimately, the the fit in the bottom six, I think, I expect to see a lot of juggling in there, not only because of the injuries, but even when everyone's back healthy. They're going to kind of need to figure out what works in a lot of ways. So the only thing that's really solid to me is Calvert and Belmar sticking together. Yeah, and uh, I think Belmar misses him. Yeah, it would be be so nice to see him on the other wing with Kaut as opposed to what they've had so far. Because I think that would be an interesting line. But yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. And yeah, I guess they really haven't give much of a... All they've said is mid-March for pretty much everyone today, but they haven't given much of anything for Calvert. So, um, yeah, this whole bottom six is going to be a a work in progress down the stretch. Yep. So we'll kind of have to see how the Avs' depth shapes out through the rest of the year. Uh, Final thing for this second period. Obviously, Buffalo coming up. Is this a a must win if the Avs want to stay in the race for the top of the Central Division? St. Louis did win today, as did Dallas. So St. Louis now five points up, Dallas one. But Colorado has games in hand on both of them. Yeah, I don't know about must win, but it's definitely should win against a bad team at home. And they only have one. And the Avs are rested here. They've... They had Sunday off. They had the charity thing. They took Monday off. They pra- they only practiced for like 35 minutes today, and then they're not even doing a morning skate tomorrow. So uh, they should be rested. This this is a team they, they definitely need to take care of and uh, assert their dominance at home, even with the weaker lineup. They are winning different ways now as far as shutting teams down. So I think if they keep that going, they're, they'll be in good shape. There's, I mean, it's with this Buffalo team, it's basically Eichel, and then you... Shut him down, you should be good. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of weapons on that team, is there? Um, Wayne Simmons. Yeah, that weirdest trade of the deadline for sure. Yeah, I I mean, how bad are things in New Jersey where you're like, yeah, I'll go to Buffalo, whatever, yeah. (laughs) Get me out of here. Anywhere but here. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, we can go ahead and get out of this second period then and – it is now time, as Evan was expecting earlier, to talk about our favorite Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNBR. I'm sure you saw us drinking it in the lounge during the deadline. So I was repping always... the shirt. Yeah, look at that. Evan even got the swag on him. So you know they treat us right, and they'll treat you right as well. Highly recommend you check them out if somehow you haven't yet. I've heard so many people saying they finally get it after a year of listening to us, and it's always positive reviews. So whether it be the Strawberry Sky, their new Mile High City, or whatever their rotational seasonal happens to be, wherever you're at, you can use the Breck Beer Locator online on their website. They will tell you where to go to find whatever Breck brew you would like like 
second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's with Rudo and Evan. As Evan talked about before the quick break there, the Avs have given up two goals in their last three games, which is pretty good, including one on a penalty shot even. So you take that. The defense also, he mentioned that has come together. They kind of are happy with the pairings that they have right now. What's working on the defensive side? How has this clicked together where all of a sudden they're able to lock teams out? Well, I think you talk to all of these defensemen. Whenever the partners change up, they're like, oh, it's not a big deal. Whatever. You know, you play with everyone. And then you they play together for a while. And it's like, okay, we're, we know where everyone's going to be. It kind of matters. So um, I do think that consistency has kind of mattered. Um, you know, you look at the last three games, they've given up one even strength goal. And then you look at the four games before the Tampa Bay game, they gave up one even strength goal. So the Tampa Bay game is really the only blip in the radar. They're, they're pretty much shutting teams down at even strength. And they're, they're, all the other teams are doing is their damage on the penalty kill. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're just, I think with Frankie, they kind of know that the rebounds are going to be there and it kind of forces them to play a little bit harder. I don't know. That's just maybe a theory I have. So um, they just, they look like they're all on the same page, pretty much everyone. And they're not, they're not giving up too many tough chances. And obviously they didn't play the most high powered teams over the weekend, but you can only play who you play. And they, they didn't give those guys anything. Yeah, it's certainly worth noting the Ducks in L.A. Are, are two of the worst offenses in the league. So don't lose it totally and say they have the best defense in the world or anything. But nonetheless, the Islanders, Islanders yeah. couldn't score forever before that game. Yeah, they don't score a ton either in general. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But at the same time, you've seen some solid involvement on the offensive side and that defense jumping in as well. Eric Johnson finally reached the 10-point mark on the season. You have Ian Cole somehow continuing to pick up assists like crazy, and, and Graves obviously scoring the the lone goal against L.A. in the game before the deadline. Yeah, you, you can't see it right now, but I'm doing the money sign with my fingers. <laughs> Getting paid. Graves. Yeah, his agent's got to be loving this. <laughs> It's, yeah, I mean, 25 points on the season so far, so that's exactly as many as Vlad Nemesnikov. Um, nine He's goals as well. 10 goals, like, yeah. without power play time. That's not easy to do. It is not, but he's he's on track for it, and then some at this rate. So, you've seen Kale McCarr, he still has his games where he decides he's just going to go beast mode, but still in his last seven games, he has not scored in five of them. So maybe slowing down a little bit on his side of things, the abs still have players that can pick up that slack. Yeah. And I, you know, we, we were talking about it in between the breaks, but McKinnon has been kind of the same way too. I think it's, you know, the abs are slowing teams down offensively, but this happens at the end of the year, always that, you know, the the pace of scoring at start of year is always red hot and guys are off to hot starts and then things kind of slow down the last 20 games. So I think that's kind of what we're seeing. Um, and obviously a big part of those guys' productions is the power play, which has been god-awful. So there's no production there. So, yeah, I mean, McCarr, 
you know, maybe he is kind of hitting that wall a little bit right now, which, you know, he most guys bounce out of, out of in, in March, but um, he's very hit or miss. I, he, there's still these plays that he makes. Like he hit, rushed up the ice and hit Cout in the last five minutes of the game the yeah. other night. That was a nice chance. So um, obviously things kind of even out as the year goes. So he's still creating chances. But uh, yeah, I mean, the points just aren't there. And that's, you know, that's going to happen. And the Avs are still winning. So I don't think they really care too much about it. Right. A, a W is a W. So however you get it, you take it. But. Is there still some cause for concern there, particularly with McKinnon, who you mentioned, who has not scored in his his last two games and just hasn't been the productive Nathan McKinnon that we've seen basically all year long out of him? And, you know, this is he played 29 minutes against the Kings and couldn't come up with a single point. I, look, I, I'm sure he'll be just fine and, and get to 100 points on the season and, and be Nathan McKinnon, but with as many injuries as the abs have, he needs to be Nathan McKinnon right now. Yeah. Could you imagine if he got stuck on 99 points again? Oh my God. Like I remember that game last year where he was just like, they're just feeding him the puck and it wasn't going in, but yeah, he has one goal in the last seven games or something like that. Um, the one he's gotten really comfortable being out at the point and just launching yeah, that from there. shot. Yeah. And I'm not a huge fan of that. I like to see him get inside a little bit more, but uh, he was able to survive without Ranton and Alanis Cog in the, in about November, whenever those guys are out, um, just kind of using his speed. And he's more minutes for him might not necessarily be the best thing in the world. If you ask me, cause he's got a, you know, he's a freak of Manage nature, but everyone bit, gets yeah. tired. So, right. Um, you can't just go full born all the time when you're playing 29 minutes as a forward. That's just not, it's not realistic and you can't expect it. So um, these injuries suck in that way. You know, obviously Bednar said today he's going to ride him as much as he can, but that might not necessarily be the best thing in the world to get the best out of him. Cause you know, like I said, he's human. He's going to get tired. I mean, do you have much choice when, Dal Nachushkin is playing on your top line. No, and I don't blame Bednar at all. It's just, you know, this is the situation they're in. And, you know, the, we know McKinnon's talented. He's going to get out of it. He's going to score some points. But um, you just would like to see him get to the interior a little bit more. And maybe a Buffalo is what he needs exactly. I hope so. And and I agree with you. You know, it, that weird point shot that he does, it worked like five times in a row in one stretch of the season. And then they, they kind of seem to fall in love with it a little bit too much. And it's just not a high percentage play. And now you're seeing what happens when it doesn't just magically work. Yeah. And the staff obviously loves it because I remember what game was that? Was that, that was the Islanders game where the defenseman had 17 of the 28 attempts in the first period. And I'm sitting here like, this is, I mean, it's good, but, it's not what you need. And then after the game, Bednar was loving it. So they like this. They want, they, they'll take shots any way they can get them. And uh, unfortunately you're, you know, they, the plan is to get your superstar out at the point and have him float shots, which is not the, uh, not the best case unless Landis Cogs right in front of the net and block tipping everything in. So uh, I'd like to see him get to the interior anymore, but, or more, but I don't, 
expect this to stop, unfortunately. Probably not, but as you said, if there's anyone you can get to the interior on, it's Buffalo. So maybe they can figure something out there. Um, either way, I what do you expect out of the second line ultimately here? Because with guys not coming back until mid-March, Nachushkin was on it. Now he's gotten moved up to the first. How do they find production there? I mean, I think it's going to have to come through Donskoy carrying the puck up the ice because the other two guys I do not see as drivers. Obviously, Jost has not scored in forever, so uh, not necessarily him, but Confer has never been a guy who drives play, so it's going to have to be Donskoy who kind of does a lot of the, the heavy lifting offensively and the creativity, and uh, they might just have to grind out a couple goals just to get things going. But, yeah, the second line is... Uh, yeah, I'm. I I don't think it's going to be too long, honestly, before Nemestikov takes Joe's spot if it keeps up like the way it's going. So what you're saying is it's a good thing Burakovsky's not out for long. Yeah, he looked good in practice today when he because allegedly it's an upper body injury or an illness, and he was wiring pucks left and right before practice, and uh, Grubauer was literally running away from him along the boards, which was another thing. Grubauer looks fine, too, just running along the <laughs> side of the ice. So uh, he was he was shooting pucks at Grubauer, and Grubauer was running and screaming like a little 10-year-old girl. It was kind of funny to listen to. So uh, I don't think he's going to be out for long. It's just all he really said today was that he's been feeling a little off the last week or so, so they had to kind of rest him. So hopefully he's back soon. Yeah, you would hope so. Uh, it sounds like the Evs are at least having fun at practice, if nothing else. They always um, have fun. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. That's, I guess that's about it for a, a deadline, post-deadline wrap-up type of show here, unless you got anything specific, Evan. Um, not really. I mean, it's a... These Wednesday games are always... It's usually an 8 o'clock, and now it's a weird 6 o'clock start tomorrow. I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah, it's been some weird scheduling. 8.30 games, 6 o'clock games, a little bit all over the place. But what we do know is, yeah, we get some Friday, Saturday, and then the next week it's a Sunday, Monday. That'd be the first Um, Sunday game of the year, I think. Yeah, there have not been many. It's been a very weird schedule, and it will continue to be because... This is it. There are no more two-day breaks for the Avs. It is every other day at the most for the rest of the season. So hockey's going to be coming at you hard and fast, and we will be covering it all for you here at DNVR via podcast, via article, via video. We are on it. That's going to do it for us on this one. Thanks for coming on again, Evan, and thank you to everyone for listening. We will be back again tomorrow. Bojo's is the only place you can get a true Colorado mountain pie. It has some of the best pizza in all of Colorado. And when you walk in and mention DNVR, you can get a free honey cheese bread with the purchase of an entree. They have six Colorado locations. The offer is good at all of them. And if you want it delivered, they do DoorDash. Plus, they also have you covered for a salad bar. They have $4 happy hours. They have room for events if you want to host one with them. They will take care of you, even with Breck Brew on tap. Again, just remember to mention DNBR, and they'll get you some free honey cheese bread.